0: Well, good morning again. Um, one of the things that uh, used to be true of me in my previous life was that I was a youth guy, and anytime we would do teachings, we would always try to do something more of an active learning kind of deal. And uh, we did it mostly for fun, but along the way, I began to realize that there's a reason you know, why you do that, and, and I'm trained as an educator, and in education, they teach you that if you just have a, a learners who are just sitting and passively listening to information, you only Retain so much, but if you engage people, then generally more is retained. So we're gonna have some fun. We'll use the kids as our excuse, but we'll have some fun here today with some objects and some things like that. So there's a couple things I have to pass out, and then we have a little game with a point, all right? So let me start by passing some things out. This is for this section here, okay? And you guys, here are some red pipe cleaners. I'd like you to take one and then make sure this works its way all the way to the back. And then, Ron, could you collect this stuff when it gets back there? All right. So you've got some red pipe cleaners. We also have, this one's a little heavier because it's loaded with Twizzlers. And you can't just have one Twizzler, right? So take two Twizzlers. Take two Twizzlers. Don't eat the Twizzlers yet, all right? Don't eat the Twizzlers yet. All right, now we're going to do the same thing over here. We'll pass around some red pipe cleaners. So if you want to take one of those and then pass it all around. And then we've got, you can take two Twizzlers as well. All right, so hold on to these. Don't eat either the pipe cleaners or the Twizzlers yet, I should specify. Now, for our game with a point, we've got this rubber chicken. I needed a buzzer, and I was going to get one of those little bells, but you can't have a bell when you've got this. Mm. I, we went. We ran out of dog food. We went to the pet store, and they were—can you imagine—they were clearancing this out. The guy at the store is like, "I'm so glad that you bought that because every kid that comes in, you know, does this." Uh, and we also we play a game with our teenagers: capture the chickens. And uh, now this one's going to be bonus points right here. Awesome. Nice. Pretty hard to be stealthy running around with that thing. But okay, here's here's how this game is going to work, and it does have a point. Um, the game is real simple. Your team won. And your team, too. All right? So there's a little competition happening. And what will happen is we're going to put a picture of a famous person on the screen. And if you know who that famous person is, sound the buzzer. All right? And then your team has a chance to guess who that person is. And if you guess correctly, you get a point for your team. If you guess incorrectly, the other team gets to steal. All right? Now, there's also bonus points. And you can't steal on bonus points. And it'll actually be helpful if you get it wrong. So throw out a random number, all right? Because it'll help my point, okay? Um, But the the bonus points are for if you can guess the date of their, the the year of their birth within 10 years, okay? If you can guess the year of the famous person's birth within 10 years, you get 100 points for your team, all right? Let's give this this a try. So this all makes sense? You got the buzzer right there? Okay. And your team can help you out, okay? So here we go. First famous person is the first president of the United States. Oh, there we go. At first, okay. And it is George Washington. Okay, now, best guess, date, year of birth, best guess? 1632, here we go. 1732. So you get a point. You guys still got a point. Good job, good job. All right, next famous person. Next, And thanks for getting that wrong. All right, next famous person, a famous English. You gotta get the buzzer. Oh, buzzer, okay. You're going with William Shakespeare. That is correct. That is correct. Best guess, year of birth within 10 years? 1370. 1370. we got a guess. Oh, 1564, not bad. Pretty close, almost. Okay, very good. And thanks for getting that wrong, because it'll prove my point. All right, so we got, it's one-to-one. We've got our next person up here. He is... Uh, Edison. Ed, we, <laughs> what are we going with? Edison, Thomas Edison. Were you listening the first hour? This no. could be it. All right, no, Thomas Edison. Yep. All right, best guess, year of birth? Best guess... 1850? Oh! Who said 1850? Wow! No Googling. I should have said that too. No Googling, all right? No Googling. 1850. There's a- you guys got 100 points for that. All right. Next famous person on the screen. Uh, this person was the first Roman emperor. Julius first Jesus. Roman emperor? Julius. Caesar. Julius Caesar. That is not correct. First Roman emperor. He shows up in the Bible. His name is in the Bible. We're going with... <laughs> Caesar Augustus, that is correct now. Uh, best guess within Caesar Augustus, you got a point. Oh, you can't steal the, uh, the, the dates of the, when he was born, but here it is. It is uh, 63 BC, I believe, right? Go ahead and put that, there we go. Okay. All right, but you did get, did get the point for getting them right. Okay, next famous person. All right, she led the French to victory in battle, which is a tough thing to do. What, yeah. What's that? Joan of Arc, correct. Best guess, year of her birth. Best guess, I heard 1450. Oh, not bad, not bad at all. Okay, next famous person, we're almost done. Oh, you got to get this one, here we go. Martin Luther King Jr., best guess, year of birth, best guess, 1920, I heard. This could be, look at that, you got it, 100 points, right over here, 100 bonus points. Okay. We got a couple left. Couple left. This guy is a noted 17th century physicist. He, um, he, fig Newtons were named after him. <laughs> Isaac Newton, Sir Isaac Newton. Best guess, year of birth. I heard 16 and some change, <laughs> and it is. Oh, we should have guessed how much change. 1642. I'll give you partial credit. Partial credit. Okay. We're almost done. We just have a couple more. Oh wow, you guys are getting this. It is? Mother Teresa. This team is this team is doing great. Okay, best guess, year of birth. 1910? 19, 19, oh, that sounds good. Oh <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. Oh man, all right, there's still time to catch up. This one could be it. Right here, next name. <laughs> best actor of all time. It is the Hoff. The Hoff, best guess, year of birth? 1890. 18- <laughs> we have 1890? Just about. All right. Two more, two more. This guy invented the movable type printing press. German guy. Oh, here we go. Gutenberg, it is. Best guess, year of birth? Here we go. Best guess. What do we hear? 1730? Ooh. 1395. Alright, now. Here's where you help me out by getting this one right. Alright? Famous person on the screen? Going with Jesus. Alright. Now think. Within 10 years, date of birth, for a hundred points. What's that? 4 BC? Yep, 4 or 5. It depends. Yeah, we don't know for sure. We don't know for sure, but 4 BC, 5 BC? Absolutely. Good job. Give yourselves a hand, actually. That was impressive. All right, now... Let's let this game sink in a little bit. Let this sink... Think about what just happened here. How many of you, this was one of the easiest ones for you to get the name? Okay? All right. now, Now think about this. Let this sink in. This is the picture of a first-century homeless man. First-century homeless man who we don't know what he looked like, but yet we all know what he looks like in 21st-century America. Do you see how profound that is? None of us know what Jesus looked like, but all of us know what Jesus looked like. We can recognize him. Think how profound that is. How many other first-century homeless people can you recognize by face? Just let that sink in for for just a minute. Now, how many of you would also say his birth year was the easiest or one of the easiest years to figure out? All right? Think about that, too. First-century homeless man. We don't know when he was born for sure. We estimate 4 B.C., 5 B.C. But most of us can identify the year within 10 years of when he was born. And along those lines, did you know that Jesus' birth is associated with the start of every new year? Back in the time of Jesus, Jewish boys were often given their name eight days after they were born. All right, eight days, the eighth day following their birth. So let's just do the math. We we estimate, we, we celebrate Jesus' birth. We celebrate his birth. We commemorate his birth on what day? December 25th. December 25th. So let's do the math. December 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th. 29th, 30th, December 31st, January 1st. The start of every year coincides with the pronouncement of Jesus' name. Interesting. We also, it's, I find it interesting when it comes to timing and, and these types of things, that over time, Rome, who was the, the world's superpower, their eight-day calendar was replaced with a how many-day calendar? Seven. Seven. The first day of that seven-day calendar is Sunday, which commemorates what event? The resurrection of this man. And then there's the, the, the calendar itself. 600 years after Jesus, there was a monk who introduced a timing system where B.C. was before Christ. And then the A.D. is a Latin term, which stands for in the year of our Lord. And humans adopted that, and humans never changed that. They used to, Roman emperors, it would be the year of our Lord Augustus or the year of our Lord you know, Julius Caesar, whatever. It, it stopped with Jesus. We, with all the great people that have ever lived, we've never replaced that system. And now every date, every historical event is identified on a timeline representative of Jesus' birth. To this day, every time any human being anywhere on the planet opens a calendar, unfolds a newspaper, boots up a computer, he or she is reminded that a Jewish carpenter lived an unparalleled life. Nero. Nero was born in the year of our Lord, 37. Napoleon was born in the year of our Lord, 1769. Hitler was born in the year of our Lord, 1889. The birth of every ruler who has ever ruled, is measured up and against the King of kings and Lord of lords. Friedrich Nietzsche was born in the year of our Lord, 1844. Richard Dawkins was born in the year of our Lord in 1941. Dan Brown was born in the year of our Lord, 1964. The birth of every critic who has ever tried to diminish the claims of Christianity is measured on a timeline that says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Consider this verse from from an old hymn that that I found as I was preparing for this week. On a day when men were counted, God became the Son of Man. Jesus' birth was was triggered with a, a census. And now after his birth, every census, every historical event is measured on a timeline where he's the center. And for those of you who know your history, you know how remarkable this is. Because Jesus didn't do the things that most great people are noted for. The things that spread their fame. This comes from an old, old sermon. Um, Maybe many of you have seen this, this part of this old sermon. It says this, and I printed it in your notes as well. He, meaning Jesus, was born in an obscure village. He was the child of a peasant. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for just three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 When the tide of public opinion turned against him, his friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property he had on earth. And when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone. And today he is the central figure of the human race. I am well within the mark when I say that all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of men and women on earth as much as that one solitary life. Now, are there similarities between Jesus and others? Of course there are. There are similarities between Jesus and all of us. Jesus got tired. Jesus got hungry. Jesus felt pain. But even though there are similarities between Jesus and us, or similarities between Jesus and other great people, there's also differences too. And this brings us to our pipe cleaners and Twizzlers. Anyone still got their Twizzler left? Oh, you're you're great. You're strong. All right. Are, Are Twizzlers and pipe cleaners the same? How many would say yes? Okay. Are Twizzlers and pipe cleaners different? How many would say yes? How many would say they're both the same and different? I would say, I would say that. They're, they're both red. You could, they're both bendy, right? There's some similarities between pipe cleaners and Twizzlers. But my guess is one of these objects is calling out to you more than the other, <laughs> right? Most of you, the, the Twizzler is, is calling out. It's saying, taste and see that I am good. And feel free to do that. If your parents say yes, or or you're of age, and you can give yourself approval, go ahead and taste and see that the Twizzler is good. And as you're chewing on that Twizzler, um, I just want to point out that there are things that are similar about Jesus and other rulers. I will give you that, and other great people. Of course there are. But for us as believers, for us as Christians, we put Jesus in a different category than all others. And that's what we want to press into a little bit today. Here are some things we believe about Jesus. We believe Jesus, according to our sacred text, is this new and better Adam. He is a new and better Moses. He is a new and better Joshua. He is the new and better son of David. All these great people, reference points in our scriptures, we think he's greater. We believe Jesus is the one who took the prisoner's place, the one who redeems God's own, the one who paid our debts, the one mediator between God and humankind, the one whose life purchased us at a great price. We believe Jesus is the true wisdom of God. He is the fulfillment of the promises of this kingdom. He is is the one who shares God's authority and is himself divine. And our response to Jesus, we believe as Christians, determines our eternal destiny. We put him in this different category. Here's the question we're going to wrestle with today. And there's a place to write this in your notes. There's a a purple sheet. I encourage you to take it out and write this down. Here's the question we're going to wrestle with with our last few minutes today. Why do Christians put Jesus in a different category than everyone else? Why? Why do we do that? I think about Jesus. He is in a different category for me than everybody else. I don't worship. I don't sing worship songs to any of those other people on the screen. Not even David Hasselhoff. None of them. I don't sing worship songs to them. I don't gather with other followers of theirs every seven days. I don't do that. I didn't alter my career path because of them. There are other things. I I don't intentionally pray to any of those other people as great as some of them were. I don't pray to any of them. And I definitely don't try to channel their spirit. That would just seem weird. But I do those things with Jesus. He's in a different category for me than all the others. And that's true for other Christians. For all Christians, we put him in a category that is different from everyone else. Why? Well, here's a starting point for that. Jesus put himself in a different category than everyone else. And There's a place to write that down, too. Jesus put himself in a different category than everyone else. He didn't just say, I'm one of many. He put himself in a different category than everyone else. The most heavily vetted accounts of Jesus' life are the ones in our Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the ones that have gone through the greatest scrutiny. Those are the ones over the years that have been proven true. Those are the ones that are the most accurate. And in those accounts, we have Jesus saying things like, well, what we're going to read right now. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to... Uh, the Book of John, Chapter 14, and, and as we're turning there, I want to let you know if you don't have a Bible at home, we would love to give you one free today as a gift. We we always keep a stack of them right there in the back. Please take one as our as our gift to you if you don't you don't have a Bible. All right, let's look at verses one through four. And these are the words of Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. This is an eyewitness of His that took this down. An eyewitness who was imprisoned in all kinds of things for His faith. He really believed this. He testified to this. This is. What it says, the words of Jesus, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way. You know the way to where I'm going. Now, some people take that last phrase and they isolate it. They take that last phrase that says, you know the way, and they, they build a whole philosophy off that or, or a whole belief system. There, there's people who, who take this piece of what Jesus said and they say, see, Jesus himself says, there's, there's different ways because you know the way. And for some of you, the way may look like this and you go off this way, but ultimately all ways lead to God. That's what some people teach. They say Jesus says that. Well, these are Jesus' words. Let's see if that's what Jesus says, that all paths ultimately lead to God. Thomas, one of his disciples who was there, says to Jesus, Hey, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? To which Jesus replies, John 14, 6, I am the way, he says. The truth and the life. And then he adds this, No one comes to the Father, meaning God, no one comes to the Father except through whom? Except through me. Except through him. Jesus puts himself in a category that is different from all other teachers. This is one of the things that he does. And as followers of his, then we want to follow what he taught. But here's what I want to add on to that. Not only does Jesus put himself in a different category than everyone else, my experience with him is in a different category than everyone else. And other Christians testified to this as well. In fact, I encourage you to write this down. Your experience with Jesus can be different than your experience with anyone else. Your experience with Jesus can be different than your experience with anyone else. There are others who can point you to God. There's others who can lead you to Jesus. But Jesus has done and can do things that no one else can. Let me just give you an example from my own life this week. On Tuesday, I came in to my office, and I just was having one of those moments where i 'm like i, I don 't even know where to start i don 't even know where to start. maybe this is your life as well i I look at my desk it 's got piles and piles it, it, it was to the point where I started just taking piles, and I would put piles in boxes because I'm like, i 'm like this box is doesn 't have to be done today. you know this box has got to happen yesterday you know so i 'm just feeling overwhelmed and so i I, I've learned, it took me a lot of time, but I've learned, you know, I, I'm too busy not to pray. And so I literally got down on my knees in my office and I, and I said, God, here I am. I've got about 16 hours left in this day and they're all yours, you know. And then I started to say, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. And I was planning to go beyond that. But when the word servant, servant came into my head, this wasn't out loud, this was, this was just in my head. As soon as I said, I'm your servant, I heard something. I believe it was the Holy Spirit interrupted me and said, you're my son. Oh, man. I don't know if you've ever had those moments where, where God speaks in and you're going one direction and, and he goes a different direction and I was ready to, to heap on the, okay, here it is, grit my teeth and let's go. It's go time. I heard. I don't have anyone else that I have experiences like with that. No one else can read my thoughts. My wife, pretty close. My kids sometimes, you know. No one else can read my thoughts. Jesus reads my thoughts. Not only that, he can speak into my head. No one else can do that like him. And and not only can Jesus hear my thoughts, not only can he speak to them, no one else can impart what Jesus can impart. Because you can tell me, you can tell me, you're his son. You can't impart that. Only Jesus can make this sinner his son. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can proclaim that with that kind of authority. My experience with Jesus is different than my experience with any other person or any other group. I've had school spirit. How could I not? I went to Hastings Senior High. Go Raiders! You know, I, I had school spirit. I've had team spirit. I've had those different times where you hear that great patriotic song and the American spirit swells up within me. I've had that spirit. It is qualitatively different than the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. Your experience with Jesus can be different than your experience with anyone else. Is there anyone else that can testify to that? You don't have. Amen? Yeah. It's qualitatively different. And it can be. That's the good news. There's an invitation on God's behalf. Your experience. Your experience. I, I had, when I originally wrote this, um, in fact, I think it was this way when I give you the initial notes, I put our experience, just kind of generic, our experience with Jesus can be different. I want to personalize that. Your experience, you, your experience with Jesus can be different than your experience with everyone else. Let's continue to look at this John passage. Let's continue reading on here with John fourteen twelve. Truly, truly, and these are Jesus' words. He's continuing along these lines. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, they they will do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, will she do. Because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, let's leave that on the screens for a minute because I want to I say a little bit about what this does and doesn't mean. What this doesn't mean is that the words in Jesus' name are like hocus-pocus. It makes it happen magically, whether God wants to do it or not. Those words don't obligate God like some kind of genie. This time of year, we could all say in Minnesota, God, I want the weather that San Diego has, and I want them to get our weather in Jesus' name. Is that going to make that happen? No, no. When you pray in Jesus' name, you're you're praying according to his character. You're you're praying according to what he wants. To use the language of mystics, you're channeling Jesus. You're, You're getting the mind of Christ and you're getting the power of Christ so that you're able to pray things that God wants to happen and can God do the things he wants to do? Yes. When you, when, when, when you read in the scriptures and you read about God and when he talks about his name, when God acts on account of his name, he generally acts in a way that upholds his honor. When God sends people in his name, they're to act as representatives on his behalf. So when it says here that I'll do anything according to my name, what he's, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to channel Jesus who is alive, the spirit of Christ, that it can be in us, helping to change our minds, transforming our hearts and our motivations and then giving us the power to do the things that God would have us to do. Now, with that clarification, going back to the text, it says that followers of the way will do greater things than Jesus did. And, and as best I can understand it, that's not true for us as individuals. As an individual, it's I, I don't know what you could do that was greater than Jesus because he raised himself from the dead. I don't know how you top that. So as individuals, I don't think you can do things necessarily that are that are greater. Maybe we can, maybe we can't. But here's what I do know. Corporately, together, we have done things that are greater. As Jesus' people, this text is completely true. It is verifiable. In fact, that's what we're going to look at the next... We're going to look at that in the weeks that follow leading up to Easter. We're going to look at that. It is, it is not just... a. A possibility. It has happened. We, as God's people, have done things that are greater than the things that Jesus did in His name through His power. For example, in the time of Jesus, people did not hold these truths to be self-evident: that all men and women were created equal; that they were endowed by their their Creator with certain unalienable and unalienable rights. Did Jesus believe that? Yes. Did the people of that time believe it? No. Because of his followers taking his teachings. Now that's embedded in the fabric of our nation. That's a greater thing. Accomplished in Jesus' name by his power. Jesus never saw child protection reforms in his lifetime. He didn't see them. Horrible things happened back in the day. They were just accepted as part of the culture. But but followers of the man who said, let the children come unto me, they helped kids obtain rights associated with personhood. Wow. That was done in Jesus' name. Jesus never married. But Jesus' treatment of women led to the formation of a community that radically elevated the status of women in society. Trace it back to Jesus. Look at before Christ, look at after Christ. And look at the role his people had in that. Greater things. Jesus never wrote a book. Jesus never wrote a book. Yet followers of Jesus, they preserved the classical world in the Dark Ages. Not only that, they they instituted these learning guilds which became universities like Cambridge, Oxford, Oxford. Harvard, Yale. In fact, virtually the entire Western system of education can be traced back to Jesus' followers who acted in Jesus' name and did greater things than he accomplished in his lifetime through his power in his name. Wow. Wow. Greater things. What's left to be done? What's left to be done? What could God do in and among his people today if we yielded ourselves to him. Jesus is an amazing person. He's without parallel. Without parallel. Today, the number of groups that claim, claim to be for Jesus is inexhaustible. Sometimes Google for Jesus and see what happens. You've got Jews for Jesus, athletes for Jesus, bikers for Jesus, cowboys for Jesus, business professionals for Jesus, teachers for Jesus, physicians for Jesus, musicians for Jesus, puppeteers for Jesus. There's even atheists for Jesus. There's even atheists for Jesus. Jesus is one of the few links between Jesse Jackson and Rush Limbaugh, between Billy Graham and Bill Clinton, between Bono and Bach, between George Washington and Denzel Washington, between Abraham Lincoln and Robert E. Lee, between Sarah Palin and Barack Obama. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? There's something about Jesus that today keeps prodding people to do things they would rather not. And we see that through history right up until today. Francis of Assisi gave up his possessions. Augustine gave up his girlfriend. John Newton gave up his slave trade. Jim Elliot gave up his life. What is it about this man? As we prepare to go our separate ways for the week, our time's almost done here, I would encourage you to write one more thing in your notes and then let's let's really think about this. Lent is an ideal season for seeking Jesus. This is an ideal season. Is there ever a bad season? No. This is an ideal one. L- let me show you one more timeline here. We already talked about the timeline of our birth, right? And we, put, we saw how our birth is on a timeline where Jesus is at the center of it, right? Our birth are, are put on that timeline with his birth. Well, here's another timeline that I have up on the screen, or up on the stage here. We, we have a word that says curious here, and we have a word trusting over there. And in the middle, we have the cross. And, and just as all of us have a, of a timeline of our birth, there's a timeline that we're on in regards to being born again. And for some folks, you're here. You're on this curious. Where if the cross is the, the point of, 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 of faith that, that many people come to where they say, okay, I, I, I believe this to be true. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that was for my sins. And how can I not offer then him in return my entire life? And I'm going to put my trust in him and where he, what he says I'm going to do and where he leads I'm going to follow. My life is now yours. That's the, this right here. That's what puts you from curious to trusting. But many of you are here. I'm curious. What an ideal season to seek Jesus. We have a couple books left. We lost, a whole bunch went out the first hour, which is great. There's a book um, called Who Is This Man? If you're in this category of curious, I would love to, to give you a copy of that for free. Just, just grab one on your way out. Um, it's a great condensed look at at some of the ways Jesus impacted the world. There's nobody like him. There's nobody like him. And I encourage you to seek that and and, and possibly join us as these next several weeks we press into this amazing life. So if you're curious, what a great time. Is it worth 40 days to seek him? I believe it is. Now, for those of you who are on this side, the trusting side of the cross, you've gotten to a point in your life where I said, okay, I believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. Where he leads, I'll follow. What he says, I'll do. What a great season for us to go deeper. What a great season for us to go deeper. And, and in that insert, we have some great practices we'd encourage you to do to go deeper. Fast. Spend time fasting. Spend time making time for prayer. Start and end your day with prayer. And, and, in, and in between times, invite God to be speaking and working your life. What a great time to, to, to read scripture, to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Bible every day during this period. What a great time to really consider serving as he served, to do these things that can help us experience this Jesus in greater depth. That's my challenge for us as we go our separate ways. I mean, I never had these experiences growing up, and, and I used to blame God for that. I used to blame him. You know, and, and I look back now, and I wonder, you know, I used to think, why doesn't God meet me on my terms? God, if you're real, boom, boom, boom. You know, I used to think that way. And over the years, especially now that I'm a parent, I've learned that God is too good a father to do that. Too good a father to do that. Not, not that my girls would ever do anything that would be on a wrong path, but if they did. If they ever start going down the wrong path, am I going to reward that behavior? If they act in arrogant or foolish ways, would I reward that? Of course not. When we act in arrogance towards God, when we act foolishly towards God... Should God respond to us? God's too good for that. What he does instead is he offers us this invitation. He says, If you will humble yourself, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, seek first my righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. If you'll seek me, if you find me, if you seek me with all your heart, the word says. There's this invitation to do this. What an ideal season to be seeking. So as we close, let's 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 seal this with prayer. Today we're just gonna dismiss and, and head on our way. So please stand up. Let me pray over us as, as we as we go our separate ways this week. Let me pray. Father, we we thank you for that invitation. We thank you that you have invited us to taste and see that you're good. Lord, we we thank you that you have given us this invitation. That we will find you if we seek you with all our heart. So, Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll make us willing to be willing. That you'll 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 give us this deep desire or help us to. to hear, sense our desire to connect with you, to experience you more richly and more fully. Lord, bring us all deeper, regardless of where we're at on this timeline with you. We pray that you'll bring us all deeper as we seek you this this season. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.